0: So let's talk about marriage. Y'all ready to talk about some marriage? Brace yourself. Ladies, sharpen your elbows so you can get them men. Wake them up. Wake them up. Look what the Bible says. Paul wrote a letter to the Corinthians. He wrote it in his first letter. I just went like this, his first letter. Wrote it in his first letter, chapter 7, verse 3. This is the good news uh, paraphrase. He said, a man should fulfill his duty as a husband and a woman should fulfill her duty as a wife and each should satisfy the other's needs. Meeting your spouse's needs is the primary purpose of marriage. God expects husbands to meet their wife's needs. God expects wives to meet their husband's needs. The problem is the needs of men and women are very, very different. So, we're gonna be talking today and next weekend about the five basic needs of your spouse. We are gonna do ladies first. So, we're gonna talk about the five basic needs of a woman, of a wife. Guys, I'm telling you, get this, get this. It's gonna help you, it's gonna bless you, it's gonna make your marriage much more um, fulfilling and awesome than it already is. If I had a different title for this sermon, I would call it, How to Make Sure Your Wife Never Wants Another Man. And the men said, amen. Amen. First Peter, and if you don't know where that is in your Bible, it's right before, exactly. First Peter chapter three and verse seven, it's at the back of your Bible, right before Revelation. First Peter three and seven, husbands, so this is directly to the husbands. Husbands, in the same way, Three things, three things. Be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner, as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. We talked about this last week, how that if we sin by mistreating our wives, God will not move when we pray. God will not act when we pray. When we don't treat our wives right, it hinders our prayer. So men, if you've been praying and you're not getting anywhere, you might want to evaluate how you're treating your wife. He does three specific things here. Let's look at them. First of all, he says, understand your wife. It says, be considerate. So that means be kind, be nice. But it also says, consider, that's uh, the root word of considerate is consider. Consider the needs of your wife. Be thoughtful, about what does my wife need, what does she need. First of all, you've got to know her needs to meet them and what you need to understand about that is that it is a lifelong process. Been married to Miss Millie, 30 none of your business years and um, I'm still learning about her, she's still learning about me and occasionally we'll look at each other and go, who are you, you know? And so we're still learning about each other so, number one, understand your wife, which means consider her needs. Number two, live with your wife. I just thought that was a great idea, You know, living with your wife. I just think that's a great idea. And he brings it out right here. Live with your wife. And when I read that, I thought, well, surely it means more than just live with your wife. And it means spend time with her. If you're going to be best friends, and I will tell you that Miss Millie and I are best friends If you're going to be best friends, you've got to develop some mutual interests, some things you enjoy doing together, and some things uh, that you um, plan out and schedule that both of you like to do that will draw you nearer. As a husband, I'm to share my life with Miss Millie, I'm to do things together with Miss Millie, and I am to be Miss Millie's constant companion. You are to share, this is a good one, guys, get this one. You are to share your life with your wife, not just meals and the bed. You are to share your life with her. Number three, respect your wife. It says in that verse in 1 Peter, respect your wife. Study after study has shown that the number one determining factor in a wife's self-esteem, how she feels about herself, is based on how her husband Responds to her. Did you get that guys that puts a heavy responsibility on us? The number one thing to determine how a wife feels about herself is how you Respond to her as her husband. This means we are to speak to her in the right way we're to treat her in the right way uh, we are to treat her in a way that she perceives that we feel good about her. We're to honor our wives and value them. And we are to appreciate them. Let me tell you the book that this sermon is based on. Of course, it's on the scriptures, first of all, but there's a book called His Needs, Her Needs by Dr. Willard F. Harley. Has anybody got that book? Anybody? See a few hands going up. That's a great book. We've sold out of the bookstore, so we're going to get some more. We'll have them here all through the series. And we are basing the sermon out of that book. Let me tell you a little bit about Willard Harley. He's a Christian psychologist, director of a network of mental health clinics in Minnesota. He has spent decades as a marriage counselor. He's interviewed thousands of couples and discovered what he believes to be the five most important needs of a man and the five most important needs of a woman. We're going to discuss those. I would encourage you to get the book because I am going to bring in a lot of stuff beyond what he says, a lot of scripture beyond what he says. Also, if you know a couple and they would be open to receiving that book, it would be a great gift to give to a young couple just getting married, or a couple that's struggling, and they would receive that book. It is very, very eye-opening. So, number one, ladies, you ready? Really, seriously? Because I'm telling you, this is it for you. Next week, it's all about the men. So let me just act like I didn't ask that question yet. Ladies, you ready? You know, the big question really is, though, men, are you ready? The number one need of a woman is affection, affection. All right, so let's talk about what that is. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you that a woman will never be happy. She will never be fulfilled in her marriage without affection. Affection is the cement of a relationship. Affection symbolizes security for a woman, When you're affectionate toward your wife, she feels secure. When you're affectionate toward your wife, she feels comforted and at peace. When you are affectionate toward your wife, she feels that you approve. It is your approval. She interprets that as you approving of her appearance, you approving of her in every way. When a husband shows affection to his wife, here's what he's saying to her. And when we talk about affection, we're just talking about how you talk and how you, how you touch her and, and how you treat her, showing her honor and, and uh, respect. And when you do that, you're saying to her, I love you. I love you and I'm gonna take care of you. When you're affectionate towards your wife, you're saying, I'm gonna protect you, I'm gonna cover you, I'm, I'm concerned for your needs and for your happiness. I'm proud of you and I am proud to be seen with you. I see men sometimes who just show no affection to their wife, no affection. And they don't, they walk in front of them. They don't, uh, they don't even acknowledge them. They don't introduce them. They don't include them in the conversation. They're very, um, they don't, I don't think sometimes they mean to be, but they're very cold sometimes. They kind of leave her out. Guys, that's your trophy, that's your bride, that is your gift from God, so be affectionate toward her. Now, all the scriptures that I give you today aren't going to come up on the screen, and if you want to just relax and not try to take a bunch of notes, and you want to just have me send you this sermon, I'll be glad to do that. My email address is feral at bridgechurch.cc. And uh, all the staff websites are on, our staff email addresses are on our website. So anytime you want to communicate with us, that's a great way. So look at this scripture. And it's not going to come up, but listen. Ephesians 5.28 in the Phillips translation. The love of a man, the love rather a man gives his wife is the extending of his love for himself to enfold her. When a man, when a husband demonstrates and expresses his love for his wife, that man is actually being good to himself. He is loving himself because the Bible says when you are married, two become one flesh. So for you to hurt her, you're going to hurt because you are one flesh with her. For you to hurt him, it's going to hurt you, ladies, because you're one flesh with him. Uh, Every time you know it's true, Uh, when you win an argument, you don't really win because you usually inflict some pain or some hurt or some offense, and that's going to affect you negatively because you are one flesh. In marriage, we are one flesh. We become one in God's eyes. Let's look at Colossians 3.17. Paul wrote to the church at Colossae. He said, husbands... Love your wives, and then that means to be affectionate to your wife and sympathetic. Not in the sense that you feel sorry for her, but sympathetic in the sense that you consider what she needs. You, you care about her needs. So you're sympathetic with her, and you do not, it says here's some things do not do. Do not be harsh with your wife. Do not be bitter with your wife. Men have uh, anger issues. Men have anger issues, we know that. And sometimes the wife, well, all the time really, the wife is the easy target. The wife is the easy target. A lot of times we guys are, are terrible for expressing our um, frustrations, not on the people who cause those frustrations in our life, but the people we love the most and the people who love us the most. And so don't be harsh to your wife, don't be bitter, or resentful toward your wife. God said, don't do it. Paul said, God put in his heart through the Holy Spirit to write this in the scriptures. It is God's word. Have you seen the guy who instead of giving his wife affection, he gives her affliction? I've been in gatherings where men have mistreated their wives so obviously, so clearly So out there in your face that it made everybody in the group comfortable, uncomfortable for her. Have you ever been in a group like that? And you've seen that and you've just thought that you wanted to go over there and hug her. You wanted to go over there and say, he's a jerk. You're not, don't receive what he just said. You want to say that. You can't say that uh, unless he's a very close friend and you can say that in privacy at some time. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a story real quick uh, one time there was a man in My life who I felt knew a lot about the Bible a lot more he, well He did no doubt about it. He knew a lot more about the Bible than me He knew a lot more about the deep things of Scripture than I did and I wanted to be around him I wanted to learn from him. I wanted to sit with him. I wanted to ask him Bible questions so I went to his house to talk with him and he so mistreated his wife that I never wanted to sit under his teaching again because he just so demeaned her and it was almost like he had contempt for her he treated her more like a slave than he did his wife and I decided right there I don't care how much that guy knows about the Bible I don't care how smart he is I don't want to hear what he has to teach me until he gets that right in his life. And so, so, it is, it, so, so to say that and tell that story, it's detrimental to our testimony. Let me ask you something. If I, if I demeaned Miss Millie, If I criticized Miss Millie, if I mocked her and made cutting and condescending jokes, if every time you saw me around her, I was telling her to do something, get me something, go do this, or why haven't you, how could you sit out there and listen to me preach? You wouldn't, it wouldn't be as effective. It wouldn't be as powerful. There wouldn't be as many people here as there are. It is important that I treat her that way, and it's important, gentlemen, that you treat your wife that way. Stop beating her down. Stop tearing her down. Stop putting her down. And let me clear up another thing for you guys. I'm here to help you today. Don't get mad at me. Sex is not affection. Sex is not affection. Sex and affection are two different things. Too many men think they're the same thing. To the wife, they are not the same thing. To most men, affection is used, if I may use this language today, I told y'all last week I was going to be very blunt today because I'm the mayor of Realville. (laughs) To most men, when they're affectionate, it's foreplay. They want it to lead to what they want later on. And And if they're not interested in that, then they don't do any kind of acts of affection or words of affection. I wanna tell you guys, that's demeaning. That's hurtful to a woman. You need to learn how to show affection when it's not leading to the bedroom. Uh, To a woman, affection is separate from that and there's a lot of misunderstanding in this area and it causes a lot of troubles in marriages not only outside the church where people don't believe, but right inside the church. It's an amazing thing. When I got married, when I got married back in the 70s, I had a, I had a white suit, white boots, long tux tail. I looked like Boss Hog. I, like, I wasn't as big as he was, but I looked like Boss Hog when I got married. And so that was just the style back then. But I want to tell you, I got married with less instruction and less training than I did on the day I went to get my driver's license. That's messed up right there. If you want to get married in this church by one of our staff members, and we have people turn us down all the time because they think it's too much, you got to go through marriage counseling. you got to go through some classes. And I'll tell you what happens in that married counseling in those classes, stuff comes to the surface so you're able to deal with it before you get married. Matter of fact, we've had a few couples that have decided, you know what? We didn't realize we're not ready. We're not ready and we've saved some divorces. We've saved some pain. So if you wanna get married in this church or you wanna get married by one of our staff members, You've got to go through the premarital training. You've got to do it. And so uh, if that's a problem for you, then you know, you'll have to get somebody else to marry you. We're just not going to do it here. We've seen too many Christian marriages fall apart because they didn't know what they were doing when they got married. So many marriage problems, many affairs start, talking about the sex versus affection, uh, many marriage problems, many affairs start because men don't, feel like they're getting enough physical, sexual contact with their wife, and the wife feels I'm not getting enough affection from my husband that doesn't lead to sex. The only time he wants affection from me is when it's going to lead to something. And so here's what happens. The woman shuts down because that's hurtful to her. So she shuts down sexually. So the man goes, well, if you're not going to give me what I need, then I'm going to shut down and not show any affection to you. And here we go, baby. We are going down, down, down in that cycle. And that's why I'm standing up here today preaching some plain stuff up here today because we need it. We need to know this stuff straight up. So... Um, this is best illustrated, this cycle that we can get into. You're not meeting my needs. And since you're not meeting my needs, I'm not going to meet your needs. And then nobody's getting their needs met and the marriage is just unraveling. It's falling apart. Here's a little letter a guy wrote to his wife. He he didn't understand and he was writing her. And uh, this guy's really meticulous, evidently keeps good records. So he writes this letter to my loving wife. During the past year, I've tried to make love to you 365 times. I have succeeded only 36 times. (laughs) According to my calculations, this is once every 10 days. I have made a list of reasons why I did not succeed the other 329 times and I would like to share those with you. It was too late, 23 times. It was too early, 15 times. It was too hot, 16 times. Too cold, five times. It would wake the children 27 times. We have guests in the next room 11 times. The neighbor's windows are open nine times. I took you out to eat for a very expensive meal and you were too full 10 times. You had a headache 18 times, a backache 26 times, a toothache 13 times, you had the giggles six times. You pretended to be asleep 46 times. Not in the mood 36 times. You had a mud pack on 11 times. You watched late night TV 17 times. I watched late night TV 15 times. The baby was crying 17 times. And you had to go to the bathroom 19 times. For a total of 329 times, I failed. And I'd furthermore like to say that during the times I succeeded, the activity, for a host of reasons, was not entirely satisfactory and I'd like to share those reasons. Six times you chewed gum the whole time. Seven times you watched TV the whole time. 16 times you had the gall to tell me to hurry up and get it over with. Six times I had to wake you up and tell you it was over with. And then there was that one time, I thought I had killed you, but then you moved and I was relieved. Ain't nobody else preaching this in Goldsboro, (laughs) Wayne County today. How many of y'all know we need this? So, here's the cycle. Here's what the guy says at the end of his letter. He goes, that's why I'm cranky all the time. Now, here's what he said to her. Because you don't meet my needs the way I think you ought to, I'm going to not be affectionate. And then you know what she says? Because you're not going to be affectionate without it leading to something else you want, then I'm not going to meet your needs in that area. And so we have the cycle. Let me give you guys a couple of words of wisdom if you want the oven hot at night, you've got the light to light the pilot in the morning. <laughs> you guys get up in the morning, you're grumpy, you're snapping, you want help with the kids. And then you get home from work, she's washing the kids, washing the dishes. You're kicked back, looking at TV. You go get you a shower, she goes to bed, and you go, What's up? She goes, nothing, nothing. (laughs) And you're like, man, my wife, man, she just don't meet my needs. Affection is the atmosphere that creates the event, which is sex. There is a big difference. Let me help you understand a little better. Men are like a microwave. <laughs> I'm ready. You re- I'm ready. He was just mowing the grass. I don't care. I'm always ready. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Men are like, men. Are like he comes in from mowing the grass and says, I saw you out there mumbling to yourself mowing the grass. I was thinking about sex. I was thinking about sex out there mowing the grass. That's how men are. We're going to talk about it next week. So men are like a microwave. Men, it's going to help you when you learn women are like a crock pot. <laughs> so if you would get up in the morning and you would be affectionate in the mornings, I don't mean affectionate like I believe we got time for we go to work. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, your wife's in the hospital, and you going, it's a shame to waste this semi-private room. You know. <laughs> You get up in the morning, you are helpful, you look around, you got head on swivel, you're like, she needs to do that, she's trying to do three things, let me do one of those things. Or say to her, baby, what can I do? What do you need me to do? I'm telling you, when you say that, when you help dress the kids, when you go out there and crank her car and turn the heat on so when she gets in, it's warm. Or you go out there and turn the air on so it's cool when she, whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm telling you, buddy, that's affection right there. That's affection. It says he values me. He loves me. He doesn't just love me for later. He's helping me now. He loves me for now. So important. Any man can learn to be affectionate. You ever heard a guy go, well, my family wasn't like that. They wasn't affectionate. So that's how I am. You know, what always amazes me. That guy always amazes me because the minute she gets a guy showing her interest, he has one of two reactions. He either gets real mad and he's gonna kill the guy or he gets real affectionate really, really quick. He learns how to be affectionate. And let me ask you something. If you can't be affectionate, if if you're using that excuse, I can't be affectionate, my family wouldn't raise like that, how did you ever get her to marry you to begin with? You know how? You were affectionate, or you would have never got her to marry you. You know, we say all the time, uh, you know, I can't change. I can't change. I'm just like I am. I can't change. And you arguing in the house and you fussing at each other and speaking French to each other, you know, you just talking, saying ugly things, and the phone rings and you go, hello. See, we do have control of how we act. We do have control, we can change. You can change, guys, if you want to change and God can help you with that. So I would suggest, gentlemen, that you find out what your wife needs and then get on meeting those needs. Get on with it. Let me give you four ways, because we wanna talk more about affection on the other four that I'm gonna give you. We're gonna go through those quickly. They're important, but this one's number one. Let me give you guys four ways to be affectionate, four ways, by how you talk to her. I hear guys that every word they say to their wife, they're snapping at them. They're speaking demeaning. They, they, They speak to them. You really ought not even speak to your children like this, but they speak to their wife like she's a child. Every question she asks, every comment she makes, there's some demeaning, snappy, ugly comment from the husband. I don't know what he thinks that's going to get him, or, or I don't know if he thinks that's going to make people who are watching go, man, he's awesome. No, every time you do that to your wife, everybody's looking at you going, man, he's a jerk. That's what they're thinking. And I see men and hear men talk to their wives like this all the time. Just dismiss them and, and, and just treat them uh, without affection. Listen, your wife needs compliments. And this is where affairs happen. You, 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 to get her, you were complimentary and kind and loving. Now you've been married a while and you're not doing those things, but somebody does it at work. And if you haven't been the spiritual leader in your house you ought to be, she might not be where she ought to be spiritually. So she's vulnerable now to somebody who meets her needs because you're not meeting them. And I'm not saying that's right, and I'm not giving a woman a pass on that. That's wrong. She shouldn't do that. She, uh, a woman uh, ought to be spiritually mature and healthy because she chose to, and, and she ought not to, to uh, use that as an excuse. But this is what happens so many times. And, and, and I'll sit down with a wife, and she'll be sitting there like that, and she looks like she's mad. I've met with her before, and she's cried and cried, and now she isn't crying anymore. And the fact is, she's met somebody who's meeting, they're being complimentary toward her, they're being kind to her, they're being respected, they're opening the door, they're, they're having conversation with her. And before you not know it, you got a full-blown emotional affair, and it won't be long before there's a physical affair that will follow right on the heels of that. Now, I'm not saying that's okay, I'm not saying that's right, but I'm saying a lot of times, guys, we create the fertile ground for something like that to happen. And so she has needs. You have to keep her emotional tank full, compliment her, be kind to her. Um, You owe it to her, she's your wife. It's not a duty, it's an honor, it's a privilege. i tell you who knew how to speak words of affection, was Solomon. Solomon knew how to do it. Matter of fact, we're gonna go to the Song of Solomon And we're just going to read some stuff he said out of chapter four. This is how you talk to a woman. You didn't know this was in the Bible, how to talk to a woman. Look what he says to her. Now it's old school, you know, it's back in that time. So he's going to say some stuff and I wouldn't say it like he says it, but, you know, there's a way to say it to fit our modern day. He says to her, how beautiful you are, my love. Some of you guys say that to your wife, she would, you had to take her to the hospital. You'd have to take her to the hospital right then. Or either she'd look at you and go, you're drinking again, aren't you? (laughs) How beautiful you are, my love. How your eyes shine with love behind your veil. Your hair dances like a flock of goats. See, I probably wouldn't have said that. (laughs) But back then, you know, that meant Something. Your hair looks like a flock of (laughs) goats. Bounding down the hills of Gilead. Now the, the next, he says three things about her teeth. He's about to say three things about her teeth, which I agree with him fully. First of all, he says, your teeth are white. That's important, that's important. And then he says, and not one of them is missing. That, that right there, buddy. And then he says, the third thing about her teeth, he says, they are perfectly matched. Like, you know, there's not one great big tooth and then all your other. So he's just complimenting her. He said, Your lips are like a scarlet ribbon. How lovely they are, your lips, when you speak. Man knew how to talk junk, didn't he? Your cheeks glow behind your veil. Your neck is like the tower of David. Round and smooth with a necklace around it. Here it comes. Y'all ready? Here it comes. And I wouldn't have said it like this now. Your breasts are like twin gazelles. I don't really know what that means. (laughs) And then I think he thought he messed up because then he goes, twin deers feeding among the lilies. You know, I don't but anyway. How look what he says at the end. How beautiful you are, my love how perfect you are. This guy's a pro at verbal expression of affections, and you need to, look guys, read a book, man. There's a secular book out there called uh, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, is that it, or the other way around? Anyway, great book, it's secular, but the principles are great. This book, His Needs, Her Needs. Man, read a book educate yourself, learn the needs of your wife and meet those needs. I'm telling you, you'll be one happy dude because happy wife, happy, I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now. So by your words, how do we show affection? Number one, by your words. Number two, by your actions, acts of kindness, plan some things, plan some things that demonstrate little surprises that demonstrate that you're thinking of her when you're not with her. Send her a text and just say, I love you and I was thinking about you. Now, I'm with people sometimes, and honestly, if my wife texts me as much as their spouse texts them, I'd go nuts. So I'm not saying control people. Don't control your spouse. Where you at now? Where you at now? What you doing? Who you with? What are you doing? What are y'all talking about? Please. Oh, my phone's going to get turned off. I'm going to get turned off, and then the phone's going to get turned off. So, don't control with text, but just little thoughts, couple, three little thoughts during the day. I was thinking about you and uh, can't wait for tonight and, you know, all that stuff, because a woman is not a microwave, she's a And when you do that, you be cooking. (laughs) You're cooking, man, when you're doing that. You're being affectionate. Leave her a note that she'll find in the middle of the day, call her up. Women love to get cards, and don't get cards that rhyme. And don't get cards that are on sale. There are cards, especially at Hallmark, there are cards that are just written uh, just the way you talk. And I don't really know how to say things like that either. That's why they got these people who write these cards. And, you know, I get those, and Millie loves those, the ones that are real, the ones that are not, you know, roses are red, violets are blue, your nose looks like a B-52. Don't don't get rhyming stuff. Am I right, ladies? Am I right? And look, and don't give your wife a card and not write a personal note at the end. Don't write. Don't give her the card, and at the end, it's Earl. <laughs> write something. Write something down there. You know. I mean, if anybody here named Earl, I didn't mean anything by that. <laughs> Just write. You know, I love you. Uh, you know, here's what I say to Millie all the time because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm something to deal with. So I always write. Thank you for putting up with me. I'm moody. I know I'm moody. And I say, thank you for putting up with me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for not leaving me. Thank you for, you know, and, and I just tell her things I notice. And I say, I know I don't say it, but I notice when you do this. And I notice when you do this. And I love the way you keep our house so pretty. And I love, and tell her, man. Amen. Amen. Ladies, am I preaching what y'all told me to preach up here? <laughs> Number three, by the way, you touch her. Now here's what a woman hates. A woman hates it when you touch her only when you're wanting it to lead to sex. She don't like that. She hates that. It makes her feel devalued. Touch her just in in an affectionate way. Don't walk in front of your wife. Walk behind her. And when you're going through an area that you're having to kind of navigate, put your arm around her, touch her, and put your arm around her and let her feel your touch from time to time. And, and I'm here, and baby, I'm not gonna let anything happen to you and, and I, I want you to know I love to touch you and, and then go to dinner or do whatever and then if it doesn't lead to anything, then it doesn't. But that makes her feel valued. That makes her feel valued when you touch her, holding hands. I saw a couple, I was going around saying hello, and they were holding hands, and when they saw me, they stopped I said, no, no. I said, hold hands. I don't have to do any marriage counseling when you're holding hands. I love it. I want to see somebody besides teenagers holding hands in church. Amen. I want to see some, some old people holding hands. <laughs> Studies have shown that a woman can't get too many touches. She can't get too many hugs. Uh, Men need to learn to give affectionate touch without the motivation of ending up in the bedroom. So important. Number four, another way to give attention is by focused attention. Um, Look her in the eye. When your wife's trying to tell you something, I don't care how uninterested you are, I don't care how much you're like, I really, baby, this has nothing to She's not telling you so that because she thinks you are highly interested. You're her mate. You are one with her. She wants to talk to you about how she feels about a situation. Here's what a lot of guys do. A lot of guys want to fix everything. Hey, baby, you can stop talking right there. I'm going to take care of that. No, no. She don't want you to take care of it. She's probably going to take care of it. She just wants to tell you about it. And she wants you to say, oh, man, well, how'd that make you feel? And then shut up and let her tell you. And then go, "Ah, I tell you, so you didn't go off and you didn't lose your, no. Baby, I admire you for that because I'd probably kill that person that done that to me, you know. So you're, don't say that, but that's not Christian. But but look her in the eye and talk to her because when you look her in the eye and you're listening, she says, he values my opinion. You value what she's talking about. She picks that up and um, in your wife's mind, conversation is a show of affection. It's a show of affection. Now let me just close this thought and then we'll go through the other four real quickly. Here's what a woman wants. Here's what she wants. She wants to feel cherished by you. She wants to feel that you cherish her. She wants to feel that she is precious to you. I'm going to just let that marinate a little bit. When a woman feels cherished by her husband, it means that she has the feeling that she is more important to him than anyone or anything else in his life. That's the definition. I am more important to him than anyone or anything else in his life. Next to Jesus Christ, nobody is to be more important in your life than your wife when you honor and value her God is going to bless your marriage and I meant to say something to single people at the beginning of the sermon let me just say this you might be sitting here you're single listen this is that training that I never got before I got married This is the training I never got. So don't look at this as, well, this don't apply to me. I'm not married. Yeah, God's going to send that person. God's going to send that person. And when God sends that person, you're going to be ready. You're going to be trained. You're going to have your stuff together because you listened and you learned and you read and you educated yourself. Here's where men fail the cherish test. Here's where they fail the cherish test and they don't cherish their wife or they act in a way that their wife doesn't feel cherished. Here's, Here's the deal. Men are achievement-oriented. They are destination-oriented. In in about three weeks, Millie and I have got three or four days that we're going to be able to take off and take a little mini vacation. Now, I'm going to get the hotel room, and I'm going to book it. All I care about the morning we get up to go on this trip is getting to that hotel. Now, you know what she wants to do? She wants to get to that hotel, too, but she wants to get off the interstate, and let's take some country roads. And when she sees something, she say, pull in there. Let's see what's in there. Like, I got to get to the hotel. You know, I don't have to get to the hotel. Nobody's at the hotel waiting for me. But that's how I live my life i got this appointment, this appointment, this appointment. i got to do that. I've got to do that. And i got to do this sermon and finish the sermon. And I gotta, I've got a seminar I'm doing and a church growth thing I'm doing. And I've got to meet with this pastor. And I've got to meet with this staff member. And I've got to meet with this other person from the church. And I live my life like that. So when we go on vacation, I'm, I'm all about destination oriented. And I want to conquer. And I want to get to that hotel. When I drive up in that hotel, go, all right. You know? But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk to myself. And I'm gonna say, baby, let's take country roads to that hotel. Let's get there two hours later or four hours later, and let's stop at some places along the way. And you go in there and shop, and I will sit on a bench. (laughs) Because here's what I I thought Millie wanted. I thought she wanted me to shop with her. She don't. She wants me to go sit on a bench. Me and those old men out there on that bench. And she wants to, uh, she wants to shot by herself, because she don't want me to go, really, you're gonna get that, you know? She's, don't want that. So, so when a man is dating a woman, he is uh, very romantic, because he's got to get a wife. And so he's very romantic, and he's very focused on her, and he plans out the dates, and he washes his pits, and he sprays cologne and he irons his shirt and he shaves and he looks nice and he's, not, and he's ready to go and he's got everything planned out and then he marries her. Got her. Done. Conquer. And then about eight months after the wedding, many of the things he did with his wife and for his wife, when he was dating, has been completely eliminated. And the wife is confused. She doesn't know what's going on. She doesn't know why this is happening or what's happening. And the man has his home, and he has his wife, and he has his children, and now he's got to move on to something else and conquer that, and usually it's money and career. And that's when the marriage suffers. The intensity you used to woo your wife, most likely you're not using now, men. So we have to focus our attention on what it means to cherish our wife, what it means to make her feel cherished. Okay? Need number two. You say, good grief. Okay, I'm almost done. D number two, the wife needs conversation. Philippians 2, 2, live together in harmony and love as though you had only one mind and one spirit to achieve oneness, that oneness feeling that is talked about here in Philippians 2. There has to be good communication. I don't know if you men have noticed, but women have a God-given need to talk. It's God-given. They can't help it. They can't help it. When you try to shut that down, guys, or you make fun of that, or you belittle her because of that, I'm telling you, man, you're hurting yourself more than you're hurting her. I'm telling you, you're creating problems for yourself. The definition of conversation is verbal attention. When you sit down with your wife and talk to her and listen to her and interact with her, and you look at her in her eyes, here's what it says to her. It says, he values me, he values my attention, he values my opinion. Now let's look at Philippians 2 and 4. And this is God's word to us men. Don't just think about your own affairs. But be interested in others. Guess who an other is in your life, sir? Your wife. Be interested in her affairs, too, and in what they are doing. Be interested. Proverbs 13, 17, reliable communication permits what? Progress. Learn to be affectionate. Learn to engage in meaningful conversation. Talk to your wife about that. Ask her what she needs. Let her describe that need to you. When was the last time you set aside your plans in order to do something with your wife or do something she wanted to do? Set aside times for extended conversation. We schedule everything else. Why don't we schedule times with our spouse? I mean, what if you just schedule time with your spouse and somebody wanted to meet with you and they're really, really important? You'd look at them and go, man, I can't do it. I have an appointment at that time, but I might be able to do something the next day. Here's what we do. Our children and our wife come last on our list. And we'll let other people interrupt all the time and meet with us. And we'll say, baby, I can't meet with you. I got somebody that really needs me. Well, she really needs you. She really needs you. So it's important that you develop this and schedule this. Get a babysitter. Go out for a meal. Enjoy one another. Number three, my wife needs openness and honesty. Openness and honesty. It'll come up there in just a minute. Your wife has a deep craving. I know it's coming. Your wife has a deep craving to know the details of your life. There it is. Your wife wants to know the details of your life. Now, here's how you guys are. You're like, I just don't want to go into all the details. I'm sorry. It ain't ain't all about you. And I'm going to tell you something. When you come home and you don't talk about your work and you don't talk about your life and you don't talk about what you do, she doesn't trust you. Now, it isn't that she intentionally goes, I don't trust him. It just happens. And she might not say it out loud. It might be more subconscious. She's thinking, why don't he talk about his work? Wonder if there's somebody at his work that's getting his attention. Wonder if that's why he hides that from me. It causes a lack of trust and I'm gonna tell you something, when a wife doesn't trust her husband, she's gonna be very difficult to satisfy. The fourth thing your wife needs, number four, financial security. He needs financial security. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 5.8, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for his immediate household, his family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. The husband is to be the provider of the present financial needs of the home. Now look, I know there are extenuating circumstances. There are disabilities, and uh, the husband may be disabled, or the husband may not be able to work, or he might be laid off from work and goes and So, So I know there are things like that. And I know sometimes even a woman will have a position on her job where she actually makes more money than the man does. I know that's the time we live in. I know it's a lot different than the leave it to beaver days. I understand all that. However, at the same time, men still, you work together with her to make sure the financial needs of the family are being met. Not only present financial needs, but future financial needs. If you don't have life insurance, gentlemen, you need to get a life insurance policy, especially young people, because young people don't have an estate most of the time, and that's what insurance is for. It creates an estate so that when you die, your family's going to be taken care of. If you own some things, you need to do a will so she will feel at peace. Here's the deal about the financial thing listen, I know I got to hurry. When you When you do this right, when you provide for your wife financially, here's how she feels. Here's how she feels. She says, my husband has seen to it that our needs are met today. And he has also seen to it that if something happens to him, I and the children will be taken care of. I'm telling you, when you do that and you explain that to her and you sit down and you say, baby, this is what we've done and this is how it's gonna be and if something were to happen, God forbid, you're gonna be, I'm telling you, it gives comfort to a woman. It gives a sense of peace and fulfillment and it says to her, he loves me. He cares about me. He values me. Number five, last one. My wife needs commitment to the family. Number five. (laughs) My wife needs my commitment to the family. Four things, four things that show commitment to the family. Number one, your commitment to her. Your commitment to her. She needs to know that she don't have to worry about you being faithful. She needs to know Baby, we might have a lot of challenges in our marriage. We might have a lot of problems and we might have a lot of things come up, but I'm gonna tell you one thing you're never, ever, ever gonna have to worry about is my love for you and my faithfulness to you. You'll never have to worry about that. Make her know that. Don't act in a way, don't treat her in a way that keeps her guessing about what you think about her. She needs to have full confidence that you are fully committed to her. This is the way we show commitment to the family. The next way you show commitment to the family, and I've got scriptures for this, but we don't have time, is you share the parenting responsibilities. I've seen men just shove all that on the woman. You take care of the children, now I'm going in here. No, you gotta share. Matter of fact, the way you treat the children, gentlemen, has a lot of the way, and this is I know this is weird, I know, but when you're kind to the children, that's attractive to her. That's attractive to her. She's like, man, look how he's loving the babies and giving them a bath and getting their clothes on so I can kick my feet up for a few minutes. Because in most cases, she's worked all day just like you have. And look at him taking, sharing. And see, that makes her, when she gets in bed, you thought she's looking at your new blue jeans. She don't care nothing about your new blue jeans. You think she's going, he looks good in them blue jeans. Or like Mr. T. He looks good in them blue jeans. But anyway, you so I don't know where that came from. It just came out. <laughs> so you think it was the way you look, you think it was the way you had your hair. She women are not visual. Men are visual. When men are turned on by visual, women primarily, not all, but primarily women are turned on by how they're treated. And when they see you being good to the kids, and I'll tell you something, man, get a woman going, is when you get that vacuum cleaner out. And you start vacuuming that floor and you just moving. Am I right, ladies? And the lady sees the man taking responsibility in the house and helping with the kids and all that kind of stuff. Man, I'm telling you, that has an effect on her. It makes her feel valued. Another way that you show commitment to the family is you take initiative in home repairs. Look, that woman, if you got stuff broken in the house, fix it. Fix it. You don't care. Men don't care. Have you ever been to a bachelor's house? He don't care about stuff. It's broke, he's like, I get to that, you know? But you're not living by yourself. You're living with a woman and she likes her stuff fixed. Ladies, don't leave me up here by myself. She likes her stuff fixed. She likes her stuff right. If that window's broke, fix it. If that door's hanging off the hinges, fix it. You sit down in that recliner and it falls over to one side and you're going, I'm good, baby, I'm good. No. She don't want that. She don't want people to see that. Fix the stuff. Here's what the Bible says. You say, wait a minute, there ain't nothing in the Bible about that. You wish there wasn't. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 10.10. Guess who wrote Ecclesiastes? Solomon. Old dude, know how to treat a woman. Ecclesiastes 10.10. He says, if a man is lazy, the rafters sag. If a man, if his hands are idle, the house leaks. In other words, get up and fix your house. Look, I'm telling you, you guys think, you guys think you know what turns your wife on and makes her go, oh, I just, I just gotta be with, let me tell you, you fix something, buddy. You fix something that's been broke. She's gonna love you. It's gonna be a good night. Number four, you gotta be the spiritual leader of your home. Man, this is a whole sermon by itself. Husbands, show the same kind of love to your wives as Christ showed to the church when he died for her to make her holy and clean your spiritual leader let me just say this guys and cuz we don't have any more time your wife should be a better christian because she married you your wife should be a better christian because she married you. Father, thank you for this message. Let's all stand.